0: I have been the worst of the worst. Like, I've hit rock bottoms that I don't want clients to ever hit. Like, I did not think I was gonna be able to have a child because I didn't have my period for so long because I was over-exercising and under-eating and I had a lot of stress on me from those. So I don't ever want, like, there are people that come into my program who are working to gain their period back, but I don't think it has to get that bad. It doesn't have to get to that place. And honestly, I don't think I would have recovered from my eating disorder if somebody, like my cheerleading coach caught it super early.
1: Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Deanna Wolfe, also known as Dietitian Deanna. Deanna is a pioneer in the online space, creating a loyal community through her Instagram and TikTok, Dietitian Deanna, and blog dietitiandiana.com. And her top 10 mental health podcast, Deets with Diana, where her audience trusts her with sound non-diet nutrition advice and women in business inspiration. Deanna helps hundreds of people achieve a simpler relationship with food through her signature food freedom breakthrough program and helps dozens of nutrition and health professionals grow their online business in her online entrepreneur academy. She is regularly featured in articles from health magazines, the Today Show, the New York Post, and speaks to many dietetic and entrepreneur-focused organizations. Her core philosophy encompasses an intuitive eating approach, and she continues to help her audience overcome rules and stress around food. She is passionate about everything she does and continues to empower women, dietitians, and end consumers through her work. In this episode, Deanna shares how we can stop dieting, stop obsessing over food, and transform how we think and consume food to feel our best. We discuss why many of Deanna's clients end up leaving her programs eating way more calories with confidence and start losing weight when they never have before. It's never only about calories in and calories out, and Deanna is here to remind you that you don't have to earn your food. It's in this mindset that most of us don't even realize that we have a negative relationship with food or some type of disordered eating or disordered eating patterns, which, newsflash, we pretty much all have in today's society. And while Deanna tells us what red flags to look for when it comes to how we think about and consume food, more importantly, she shares what steps we can take to repair our relationship with food and experience food freedom. Deanna, I am so happy to have you on. I'm so glad we can get this in right before I go out on maternity leave. Um, I'd love for you to just start with telling our listeners a little bit more about your journey to finding a passion, not only in health and nutrition, but then how that kind of adjusted and evolved to helping people really stop dieting and improve their relationship with food.
0: Honestly, I'm honored. I know you guys have had such amazing guests, Kate. So, yes, before baby comes, we get to chat and talk about really why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I know there's a lot of women that listen, and a lot of us have hated our body, right? Like we grew up in a generation just hating our bodies, always feeling like there was somebody else or some other diet that could tell us how to treat our own bodies better, right? Like we always thought there was some somebody else or something that could tell us what we. Felt like we couldn't like hear or listen ourselves, right? So, um, very honored to be here. And why I became really a dietitian is what I'm hearing is, I mean, it's really taboo, but I had an eating disorder and I just wanted to like eat perfect, right? We wanted like the perfect diet, and so I went to a dietitian in high school to overcome. I had anorexia nervosa, and I went through the whole recovery process, and I was stuck in kind of this quasi recovery for a while through my program, I mean, I learned so much about food that was overwhelming. I remember even in my internship, I did um, just different internship parts. I loved the private practice part, like being able to make my own hours and flexibility. And then I just really, really loved, um, well, actually at the time, I hated working with the eating disorder people because it hit too close to home. Like I wasn't fully recovered at that point. I remember coming home and like crying tears like i'm not ready to be a dietitian i will never work with this population and now 10 years later i'm doing it every day and i love it because i i really feel like people always ask me can you fully recover from disordered eating and i 100% believe you can and sure it might have to be like an active decision that you decide not to give into when you're stressed or when you have a lot going on and you need to control something but that's why i became a dietitian is just like Wanting to pave a new path in the field too of, it doesn't just have to be about weight loss. It can be about actually your relationship to food and how to reframe your thoughts around clean eating and all the stuff that we were kind of raised with.
1: Yeah, and when when dan did that like switch for you, going from being more, because I know before you've done like competition, like fitness competitions, yeah. and you know, we're counting macros. Like when did that? mindset shift happened for you to go from that to
0: where you are now and what you're teaching your clients? My shift was when I was working with clients and they were like so obsessed. I was giving them meal plans. I felt like I was kind of teaching them a way to understand macros, but I was like, just weigh your food for a little bit and then stop weighing your food, right? Because I was like, it's good to have the knowledge, but then you don't want to be doing it forever because it's obsessive. But then once people start, they're like, oh, well, it's just easy to weigh stuff. And tracking macros is food freedom. Like you just kind of get in this. It just spirals really quickly. So I thought, well, if my clients are being so I was just attracting the type of women and men who were taking those thoughts to the extreme. And even I did it myself. So I was like, I don't want to be teaching it this way anymore because people are taking weigh your food for a week or understand portions for a week and follow this meal plan for a week to like, I have to eat perfectly what's on this meal plan or else I have guilt and shame, right? Like it was, it just spiraled with clients. And I, that's why I created my 12 week food freedom breakthrough program three years ago. um, and have had almost a thousand women go through it is because it was really just needing a new way to look at food and reframe your thoughts around, oh, well, junk food is going to go to my hips, right? Like just all the thoughts we tell ourselves and instead really think of food in a brand new way of like the positive side of what it does for us.
1: Yeah, well, and it's like, it's funny to because it's like what you said in the beginning of, everyone's just looking for someone to tell them like what to do, what to eat, what diet to be on. And I've always found this too, like I will never, I mean, I've had so many people come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I want a meal planner, et cetera. And I'm like, well, I'm not your girl. I will never give you a meal plan. I will never tell you, like, yes, I will guide you on what to do. Yeah. But people get so stuck in, like, when they find out, right, that what to do, all that does is, yes, it's easy to almost, like, turn your brain off a little bit and just follow something, but you're not actually learning. Yeah. So then the person you're using also becomes this crutch or that meal plan becomes a crutch. And then when the meal plan's not there or you go on vacation or right like you stop working with that dietitian you don't you feel like you don't know what to do. Versus what you're yeah. doing now you're it's teaching people, right? It's and it's teaching people to also like use their own intuition and how they're feeling. As part of it, which gets left out so often. Um,
0: but it's and the, yeah. And the mental part too. I, I always come back to are you respecting yourself mentally? Like there are days where you, I don't ever want to force somebody to move, but you might need to motivate yourself to go for a walk. And that will help you mentally with your health, right? Or maybe there's a days where you shouldn't go for a walk. So there's like this interesting way that I think most people are like, well you know if i walk that's obsessive like you have to decide for you that day and decipher what will be the healthier option like can i motivate myself to go for a walk or do i need to like rest and decide that and that's i think the most confusing part is like how do i eat healthy without obsessing and how do i eat healthy without eating clean and it's like a very confusing thing because there's always new diets new article times articles new celebrities promoting th- something new it's it's a really never-ending cycle that you can be on for your whole life.
1: Totally. And I think a big thing too is like like some giveaways or like if it's a quick fix, right? Or if it happens too quickly, it's probably not going to be your lifelong change you're looking for. Yes, sometimes when you make some, you know, healthy habit changes, things can happen quickly. But if it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Um, But I wanted to ask you, I think something that often goes unnoticed too is that people don't realize they may have a negative relationship with food. So what would you say are some common signs that you've seen uh, with clients that have a negative relationship with food that they may not think was? Or when you're trying to get someone to join your program, what are the things you use to try to reel people in to be like, yeah, we shouldn't be thinking that way. It's funny
0: you say that because I actually have this series on social media and then something I really try to clear up with clients of like things I thought were healthy growing up or right now. It's like it doesn't feel bad enough to get help type of thing. And I think the there's a few things that I actually wrote down is thinking something like I am so stressed and had such a bad day at work like I deserve this or I earned this like thinking that because you're emotional right now because you have stress or excitement or because your kids are in bed that you like have earned food and I think that like earning is really really hard especially if you're an over exerciser if you're listening to this you're like what's an over exerciser if you're like forcing yourself to work out six or seven days a week, right? And doing like the high intensity, always checking your Apple watch, like those people are trying to earn back food. And that cycle is probably the most broken cycle that I think people are like, well, I'm just healthy. I'm just exercising. Like earning food is biological. Like we all have to, I mean, I had a real go viral and it was like talking about uh, a fitness instructor said in the class, like, let's hit it hard so we can earn later." And I thought, like, and I literally yelled out, "Like, food is not earned." Which I'm now friends with this fitness instructor. Um, but I had said, "Like, food is not earned. Like, you do not have to burn calories in order to eat." And that cycle, especially if you've been on my Fitness Pal, that app also creates the cycle because it's like, oh, if you walked thirty minutes, you get an extra three hundred calories, and you're like always adding, adding, subtracting. It's a mess, right? Versus like calculating your BMR and like. Focusing on your total daily energy expenditure is something we focus on in my program, instead of like subtracting and adding and worrying about calories burned. So I do think if it's it's something like there's two parts to that one in general. But the other thought I think it's like the emotions around food and that you deserve it, feeling like you always have to earn food. Um, And I think it's like the it's not like you were saying they probably don't realize some of the habits. Like if you're obsessively not able to. Like eat other people's cooking. If you always think back to like what your mom said to you in regards to, oh, I'm not hungry yet, or I need to fast all day so that I can like deserve this meal out. I don't know if those were things you heard growing up, or like be careful eating that we gain weight in our hips was like a, a big one. A lot of my clients have heard of like, be careful, be careful with sugar, be careful with carbs. Like you might gain it in your hips. Like that was a really terrible thing for women to feel to hear so some of those are thoughts would love your yeah. thoughts though
1: no i will obviously when i hear even just like kind of you know even talking about my fitness pal a lot of it is like kind of the calories in calories out and you're always going back and forth but yeah. it's funny because as dietitians, we know that metabolism plays a much larger role because that's the rate at which you burn calories and everyone's burning it at a different rate so it actually doesn't ever make sense for calories. (laughs) And like someone's 300 calories walking is not someone else's 300 calories walking. It could be completely different depending on their metabolism. And same with the food you're eating. So it actually, for anyone listening, it's not an exact
0: science there. Everyone's metabolism is different. Um, And also labels are like a percentage. I mean, there's so many reasons why the calories in, calories out really bugs me too. Because that is, What most people without a degree come back to is like, well, just follow my plan, eat in a deficit, and you'll lose weight. And it's like, well, there's a lot more, a lot more things that go, like many more factors that go into it than that.
1: No, completely. Um, are Are there some things, you know, that you find people like deny that it's a negative way of thinking about food? Or even in your program, like, as they're unfolding, it's like, oh, I didn't even realize I do that. Or I just find so many people, like, we talk, we say disordered eating, and people automatically think eating disorders. Yeah. And they'll think about, like, well, I don't, I don't purge. Um, I don't restrict a lot, even though they may restrict a little bit. And again, just kind of deny it. Um. They kind of think of having bulimia or anorexia, but really, what would you say is disordered eating, which I think most of us have, just from our society?
0: I agree. Most of us do have it. And I think that's the weird thing about intuitive eating is it was never meant as a diet. But most people use it as a diet because they're just like, what do I do now? What what else do I do to lose weight? Like, I, I have to keep focusing on weight loss. And that's like the hard thing with women is it's like we always feel like we have to focus on weight loss, right? Like we're never good enough if we were just hanging out without focusing on weight loss. So like we, um, I do think things like if you're thinking about food all day, like that's not normal. That's really not normal. And I think people think dietitians think about food all day. Like I would rather not cook. Like my husband cooks. I. I'm happy not cooking. And that's such a shift. I think when I was in my deepest number one, I wouldn't bake because I was like, oh, I would just overeat it all. But I was making like the craziest recipes, like, you know, just the weirdest things, right? Like just, I mean, because I was macro counting. So it's like really high protein bowls uh, you know, like the one carb pancakes. I mean, <laughs> you know, the weird stuff. So I think if you're like thinking about food all day, it's not an obsession with food. It's an obsession with avoiding food. And I want you to hear that it's not an obsession with food because there are like cooks that might be upset, right? Like there are people that might be a little obsessed with food, just eating in general. But it's an obsession with avoiding most foods because you're trying to figure out, well, how do I avoid pasta and instead eat zucchini noodles and make this amazing recipe and make it taste the same? And it's like, I don't know if that will taste the same. And I don't, you just have to decide, will that be satisfying enough for you?
1: So, I love looking at it like that. It's not an obsession with food. It's an obsession with avoiding certain foods. And like zucchini noodles is a great example. You're not like, most people are like, oh, I'm, and some people are. So, I'm not saying everyone, but sure. You're not like, oh, I'm really craving zucchini noodles tonight. You're avoiding eating pasta. And it's not to say like, like I love for, I mean, our household, like I love a good, bonza chickpea pasta yeah um or a red lentil pasta i honestly like like the texture better i also do like that for me it tastes this for me right it tastes the same as pasta but i'm like oh i'm getting more protein and fiber that's great and that i know like when i give it to my son (laughs) one i'm glad there's protein and fiber two i'm also glad that possibly i don't have to also make him a protein on top of it (laughs) because that's a whole other thing as well um But yeah, no, if you're you have to kind of question that, like, are you really excited to eat that food or are you just avoiding eating another food because you're you're making so many substitutes?
0: Yeah. And there are people that come into my program with gut program, gut health issues. And it's like, you know, well, are you only eating the bonza pasta and that's not actually agreeing with you, like the fiber in it? (laughs) And so let's get down to what's actually happening. Like, are you Eating an excessive amount of fiber, or you know, there's just probably skipping meals, right? Like I think seventy-five percent of women are skipping breakfast. I don't know if that's—I yeah. don't know if that's a fact, but
1: well, a lot of people are too. It's because they're trying to save those calories for later, or yeah. if they ate a lot the night before, right, or binge the night before, it's like, oh, I'm going to skip breakfast because I like overdid it last night, which yeah. again not how it works people then you don't get your metabolism going until lunchtime yeah. yeah or the neck the first time you eat and that is really kind of at least in my eyes the key to success of not having to obsess over your your weight forever yeah.
0: Um, yeah you made a really good point with like people don't realize it's disordered and i agree like i have been the worst of the worst like i i've hit rock bottoms that i don't want clients to ever hit like I did not think I was going to be able to have a child because I didn't have my period for so long because I was over exercising and under eating and I had a lot of stress on me from those. So I don't ever want, like, there are people that come into my program who are working to gain their period back, but I don't think it has to get that bad. It doesn't have to get to that place. And honestly, I don't think I would have recovered from my eating disorder if somebody like my cheerleading coach caught it super early. Right. And, you can still live in quasi recovery until you get the help to be fully free. So I'm sure this, ep- I'm sure this episode's different than some of your other ones, but just yeah, a different no, way to but it,
1: no, I love looking at it that way, and I want to get to kind of like the good stuff too of what and you know I'm sure, Danny, you have so many examples of just past clients and people that have done your program, but what can transforming your relationship or how you think about food do for you. Like how do your clients feel after working with you because I want everyone to hear these things so they can realize how good they can feel after and just not have that like constant worrying.
0: Honestly, some of I mean some of the really cool ones are when people go and get their metabolism tested or want to see the science behind food freedom is like, "Oh my gosh, I'm able to eat like the same amount and I'm not gaining crazy amounts of weight every weekend when I go out to dinner or when I go on vacation, like those are the cool moments when you hear a lot of my clients have gotten their metabolism tested after and their metabolism is like they're eating double the amount of calories or they're eating like, you know, calories they never and I hate saying numbers, but just an insane amount of calories just to maintain, which is really cool to see. And I think we disregard that with intuitive eating is like Oh, it's just the hunger fullness. Like you're just a little bit full, but like these women are eating a lot of food. They're full, not just like oh, I have to eat like I'm in you know a French person and just be a little bit full and always kind of semi hungry. And that's not what intuitive eating is either. But that one's cool. The science behind seeing your metabolism change, um, and and seeing that like when you're an intuitive eater, your weight isn't like crazy all the time either. You can go on vacations. You can have ice cream dates. Like your weight is just so much stable over time. And there's so much research on that, that your weight really stabilizes when you're an intuitive eater versus continuing the dieting. Um, I mean, other than that, it's literally not even about the food anymore. Most women, it's like, my life is completely different. I am able to see my friends more. like The quality of how they spend their time is so different. And instead of meal prepping all Sunday and eating in every meal, they're like, Getting croissants out with their partner, they're having ice cream dates with their friends. Like your life just looks so different. And I think you miss that when you're viewing Instagram and TikTok, like little videos of like, you know, oh, I'm so healthy now and like seeing that. Well, do you see the other 23 hours that they're spending meal prepping and sp- at the, you know, just spending so much time thinking about food? So if you're scrolling through social media right now as you listen to this on your walk, remind you like you do not need to change anything and i think we're always given new thoughts of like i i have to lose weight i have to change what i'm doing you know just it's okay to not change or to change to be an intuitive eater instead of like trying the next diet or cutting out
1: food type of thing a huge people don't realize like a huge part of health and there's studies to back this up Is social connection. And you're totally right, Dana. Like so many, and this is something too for anyone listening that's like, I don't, I don't know if I have a, a negative relationship with food, but if you're avoiding going to certain social events or hanging out with friends because you don't want to eat certain foods somewhere, or and there's a difference too, right? Like if you're trying to let's say, lessen your alcohol intake. And you're like, okay, I don't need to go to happy hour four days a week this week. That's different. Yeah. But we need that social connection. And if you find that your habits around food are avoiding that, or like you said, some people like won't eat at someone else's house and they're there stressed out or they're there and they're hungry. We really need that because, you know, yes, we're, A lot of, I know a lot of people are focused on weight loss and it's kind of why this is like spiraled for them. But we have to think about our overall health. And in terms of longevity and overall health, social connection and deep, meaningful relationships is right at the top. So keeping in mind, and I'm glad you brought up like even, right? People aren't noticing. The healthy people on Instagram and and TikTok, those other 23 hours out of the day, what are they doing? Well, a lot of them are very isolated as well, too, because they are. They're meal prepping all day. They're constantly thinking about food. Unfortunately, their career most likely revolves around food. And I'm actually starting to see, I don't know, Dina, if you started to see it, but like I'm starting to see some influencers come out. That no longer want to be healthy influencers because it's been so much pressure on them. Mm. And they're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. So now they're creating courses on how to stop being an influencer um, and kind of no. like regain, I don't want to say regain your life back, but like your own, kind of when we talk about like your own intuition and like what you want to do. Versus having it dictated by all these people following you and expecting you to eat a certain way, look a certain way, provide a certain amount of information. So I think we all forget like when we're on social media that like those people are are humans too and humans evolve and can change their minds and can change their thoughts. Um, But I just I found it really interesting that a lot of health and wellness influencers are now trying to take a step back from it. Because it's just been so much pressure.
0: I think de-influencing is a thing too. Yeah, I think that's what it is, is not wanting to, I don't know if it's, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did not create my business to be me being like healthy all the time because then I would be, yeah, lying. (laughs) I would not be helpful. No, yeah. Or like, or you would feel the pressure that
1: whatever you posted would have to be healthy. Yeah. And then if there were things you were hiding, like that, you know, it's just, it's it's a bad cycle. Um, I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole with that. But I'm curious, and I know a lot of people listening, this is like what they want to hear. What are some of those initial steps people can take to start improving their relationship with food? Like, what do you, you know, some of the things you'll do in your program and then therefore improve? you know, not only their physical health, but also their mental health.
0: It definitely depends on where you're coming at when you come in. The number one thing we always do is like, what does your life look like now versus what do you like day to day? How much are you thinking about food? What percentage? We have like pie charts of like what percentage? I mean, it's a whole process we go through speci- spe- specifically. So it's like what what percentage in your day are you thinking about your body are you thinking about food and when is that and then a lot of it is getting down to like how did you get here too of like what external sources made you feel like you couldn't be successful if you gained weight or like it that made you feel like you're only good at being the fit friend so it has to really come down to comparing and being being worth it to go on the journey of comparing your life now with food rules or regulations to when you can eat, what you can eat, the amount of time you spend thinking about food to what would your life look like on the other side. And so being able to just compare and contrast and say, this is worth it. Because anything that's going to take a while, like a a lifestyle change, instead of just taking a metabolism booster, instead of just following somebody else's meal plan, is going to take that extra time. So it just has to be worth it to go to go back to in times that it gets tough. I don't know. I'm like, I should bring up some of my clients' messages just this week of we're working on emotional eating and understanding like what is my physical hunger versus emotional hunger and what emotions make me reach for food um, and overcoming that. Because there are a lot of women, some are coming in really under eating. And so we talk a lot about as or overeating and what habits are making you kind of stuck in those two different ways. So I hope that helps.
1: Yeah, no. And I think
0: the the emotional eating part is
1: huge, right? Because that's a lot of the times when we are potentially overeating or like eating when we're not full, which not to say that like you can eat when you're full, that's okay. Yeah, But if we're in a way eating for the wrong reasons or to fill, right, like to fill an emotional hole or how am I trying to put this, but we're not Using food in a supportive way, it may seem supportive, um, but also thinking about, and I try and talk to clients a lot about this too, because you know, Deanna, just as much as I do, like that next day, if there's that shame or guilt, you always want to ask yourself like, is this food going to make me feel good in the moment, which we can probably say most foods will, but actually maybe some uber healthy ones that you don't like may not. But then also ask yourself, like, is this going to make me feel good tomorrow? Yes. Like, is it going to make me feel good in that future self? Is it also going to be something that, like, when you ask your clients, you know, what does your life look like now versus what would you like it for it to look like? That person in the end and who you're kind of trying to cash your chips in for, is that something that that person would do right like is that something that that person would choose or would they be supporting their emotions through food um so i think that's a huge piece of it and that's what i i mean i all of us experience it right like i mean if if someone yeah. listening has never emotionally ate like are you human like i don't i don't know what that even looks like you know i've never run into anyone that hasn't um So I'm sure that's a huge part of your guys' group's focus.
0: Yeah, instead of I've had a bad day, I deserve this, shifting it. We have so many like mindset shifts you have to do. So like this work of uncovering what the difference is between your thoughts now and what's next. And that's what we do in every phase. So the first phase walks through reframing your thoughts around calories, around your metabolism, around and really figuring out like, have you been under eating forever? As well as like, where are you at within your set point weight range? The second part we used to do honestly when I created the program I was like everyone just needs to learn how to understand gentle nutrition right but there's so much other work that has to be done done before I can just like give you meal and snack ideas and so and like specific to you so the next part is body image like you have to overcome some of the body dysmorphia the limiting beliefs about your weight and then we get to the nutrition part which is yeah. crazy you would think as a dietitian that would be first but a lot of that relationship to food has to be reframed. So instead of, I've had a bad day, I deserve this, it's, am I filled with too many negative emotions right now to even enjoy this food and tapping into that? And I did want to say one more thing. I have a lot of clients right now being like, well, how do I know the difference between actually, like, is it clean eating and diet culture and its obsession with that versus just being a healthy person, just wanting to be healthy? And I think you have to undo a lot of this to ever even get, to that yeah. point, right? I think it's really hard for me to just say, well, avoid this, eat this. I think instead it has to be, let's say you like the Natamu ice cream. But do you think it's diet culture right now because you feel like you have to avoid dairy? Because everyone's told you dairy is so terrible and inflammatory, right? And that's what I was trying to work through with my clients too is like, what's the intention behind it? Is it healthier because you want to lose weight and you feel like that's going to um Make you, what am I trying to say? Like on a pedestal of your health, and then you're going to live forever, or is it because you actually enjoy it? And that's what the difference has to be. Yeah,
1: and say for, yeah, like noticing, like, or does regular ice cream make your stomach not feel so great? Like, yeah, and it's a, and then you do need a substitution, but making the substitution for the right reasons. Um, I'm really yes. curious, Diana, on your thoughts, and I don't know if you if you even talk about. Physical activity and movement in your program, but yeah. your thoughts on physical activity, one with clients and then also with yourself, because I know that's like shifted for you over the years. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but what are your thoughts there? I think it naturally shifts when you have a child. And I think it also is, I mean, it shifted when I, I mean, listeners might not be meaning to get wanting to get their period back, but that's a huge one is like completely stopping high intensity activity. And I think from going from a bodybuilding show where it was like the same thing every day, it was like low intensity exercise and 10 minute hit on the stairs of 30 seconds of this or 30 seconds of that. When I could do my own thing, I was like, wow, it was just different not having that prescription of how to get lean and shredded. And now that I'm here, it's just the shift of not feeling like I have to burn X amount of calories. I can go to the gym without an Apple watch. I can do what actually makes me feel good after instead of what burns the most calories and like burning off something that I feel guilty for eating. So it's just a huge shift in my mindset around exercise. Yeah. And for clients, do you guys do what,
1: how do you speak about movement or physical activity? If you find a lot of them are again, like we were saying, like kind of earning their calories through fitness and just have a negative view around movement too.
0: We focus on nutrition most. Exercise is kind of like that benefit, but we see that all the time. So you just have to address the whole, like we talk, I mean, it it kind of comes back to the week of when we focus on your, your total daily energy expenditure too. Like doesn't just have to be your hard workout it's also you moving throughout the day like the physical activity that your body actually registers as physical activity does not have to be a 10 mile run or you know a crazy boxing class it can be going for a walk and your body will love that for you probably and you might be able to listen to your hunger and fullness better instead of a crazy high intensity workout so um, it comes into a play in there. And then at the end, when we're talking about um, food in general. It's like just reshaping how you think about what exercises you like. And that's where most people graduate my program being like, I'm able to go to the gym, not hate myself in the mirror, wear a tank top that I never thought I'd be able to wear. Like, it's all of those pieces that get you to feel empowered in the gym, too, of like around your body image, around not needing it to be burning off the calories or feeling guilt or having to earn something
1: yeah and it's so important for people to know like the most calories we burn every day are actually from meat which yeah it's non-exercise right activity thermogenesis and that's where actually we that's when we're just like moving around and that's why it's important right like I mean, even for myself, as I'm sitting here and I have a few podcast recordings, I'm like, I need to get up and move. But like, even just like moving your fingers, like all of that movement, but also getting up throughout the day and making sure that we're not just like staying seated. That's actually where we get the most movement in and the most calories we burn. So trying to focus on that stuff or like when you're going to the grocery store, like not being upset that your parking spot's so far away, like that's actually going to help you. And you don't need to do that 45-minute hit workout. You're actually going to burn more calories just by being active throughout the day and moving around. And yes, if you have a kid and you're picking them up a lot and doing things with them, they will keep you active. Um, but that's just something really important that people need to know is that like, just because you, you missed a workout one day or you're not exercising, that's not gonna break the bank as much as if you really are just like sitting all day long and not being just active, which also helps make you feel good and is good for your body, getting more blood flow and can write like more blood flow to your brain, which can help you feel a little bit more creative. And just, again, it's like, it all goes back to feeling good. And we get so caught up in just like, how we look and yeah, how we're eating and how we're moving. And it's like, in the end, though, what do we want? We just want to feel good in our own body mentally and feel good physically.
0: I do believe in strength training, too. I don't know if you strength train at all, but we talk about metabolism in my program. And it's Mm -hmm. like, if you just have like 1% more muscle mass, girl, you're going to burn like an extra 100 calories a day. And not that it's calories in, calories out, but that's the number the number one thing you can do to boost your metabolism is strength train two times a week. And that's all the American Council on Exercise recommends for women for at least bone health as we age. So that's where I'm like, I'm not giving you a full baked-out strength training plan because I'm a dietitian, but I will tell you to resistant train in some way two times a week, whether that be cans in your cupboard of beans, whatever, um, you know, like wall push-ups.
1: No, which actually, it's funny. That's like what I'm doing. So I'm a huge proponent of strength training. But yeah, like you said, Dan, like two to three times a week, even now being 39 weeks pregnant, the only things I'm doing are yoga and some like body weight strength training. That's amazing, though. But it feels good. And like you said, it's like I think we both probably are proponents of it because we know the science behind it. Yeah. Like, oh, are you going to, you know, kill yourself cardio wise on the treadmill? You know, because a lot of people still think like if you don't sweat, you don't get in a good workout versus do maybe 10 minutes of strength training and see all these improvements in your metabolism, your blood sugar. Um, I was telling you before we started recording that uh, we had a great episode with Dave Asprey. Um, from Bulletproof, and he was saying, which is really interesting, he has a new book out, um, Smarter, Not Harder, and it's, you know, he's like the father of biohacking. So it's like, how can you biohack everything? Um, And he was saying with strength training, which I found really interesting, and I started implementing because, like, you know, I can't really do more than, like, 20 minutes of strength training right now. Right. But... There are ways too that when you are strength training, you can get so many more benefits, like just going slower, like doing everything a little bit slower, which you will notice makes it a lot harder. Um, but you don't have to be putting hours and hours and hours into the gym. And I, I mean, I know, damn it, we're both like still relatively new moms, like both our kids are under two, and you don't have that much time. Like, time is so precious. And for me, I'm like, if I can allot 30 minutes for a workout, that's like amazing. Yeah. Um. And strength training is definitely one way to get a lot of health benefits and like you said, especially for women as well and our bone density and our bone health. But get the health benefits, but not have to put in too much time or to feel run down afterwards. Like after I, you did, you know, a, a crazy hit class or a you know a ton
0: of cardio, um, yeah, I don't think you have to go one hundred and ten percent. I think you can give eighty and it's still good enough. Yeah. I think I did a seventeen minute workout the other day and that was good enough. And it's more about consistency and go from there. Yeah, I'm curious, what did
1: anything else change for you, even mindset wise? around food and I know you've posted some things about like the examples you're setting but after you had Harper your daughter yeah that even gave you some more clarity that you brought to your programs and to your clients um after now you know being an example for her
0: honestly it's such a big why of me fixing my relationship to food is like the waffle sunday mornings and being able to all eat the same instead of High protein one, or one like with diet maple syrup, and being able to just be able to like share meals with her, share pasta, share ice cream, and also be able to tell her she's beautiful no matter what size she is. And I hope I can continue. You know, she's so young that I do have a series on things that I hope my daughter never hears me say. And it's not only what I'm projecting on her, but also what I have to project onto myself. So most women. That I work with are so hard on themselves. We hate ourselves. Like we would tell anybody they look amazing, but we wear the same thing and we're like, oh, you're so ugly. You're so gross. I would never take a fit, right? Like it's just uh, always a catch 22 for my perfectionist clients. And I think that is the number one reminder for me is that I have to model what I hope to see in her. And so whether that be entrepreneurship and what I'm doing with my own business or how I look at myself in the mirror, like I'm not pinching myself or ab checking or you know what I'm saying? Like you're not doing those things anymore. And that's what I've committed to is like I talk to her like a human. I show her exactly how I want to treat myself in the mirror. We love the good belly song, which is like big bellies, little bellies, round belly. Like no, it, it doesn't matter if you have jiggle or, or it's flat. Like we love all bellies. And I just, I hope she can be nice to herself and nice to others as she grows up. Not that she won't hear those messages. Who knows? Eating disorders are also part genetic, and it can happen no matter what I do. So, I'm just hoping that, like, she is a big why, and I think everybody's kids are a big why. They don't want to. We've just been in the cycle of of dieting forever. A lot of a lot of clients' moms have passed down some traits, and that's sad to hear. Whether that's starting Weight Watchers at 12, or I don't know. I mean, was your mom? My mom was very helpful. She was definitely like an almond mom. I would consider her like. She just got full off really little. She's like very petite. I love my mom. She was she eats bread like she eats all the normal foods. I don't think it was her, but we were just bread in this. I don't know if you feel like that with your mom, but no. I mean, I was really fortunate
1: that I I had pretty positive influences same, around same. food. Um, but I have a few friends who definitely did not have positive influences and were yeah. you know taken to see a dietitian or take you know. We're spoken to about their weight here and there, and it's still there with them. You know, it it still hasn't left. And I'm hoping they're feeling all the same feelings, too, about, like, when they have their kids, that they can at least look them different. And they always say, right, like, how would you talk to your five-year-old self? You know, talk that, continue to speak that way to yourself. And I think then having a kid... And you see them grow up, you you understand that more. You just have to put it into practice. So true. Yeah. Um, I can tell you I'm, those things. But oh, totally. And I'm I'm curious, Dana, do you have any which like we say daily health and wellness, like non negotiables? And I feel like that sounds a little too strict, but what are some things you do either daily or weekly
0: that just keep you feeling good? Get outside every day? I do. I love matcha. I do not do well with caffeine. So if anyone's listening and you're like, I have this weird energy dip in the afternoon and I feel like I need more caffeine or all the sweets. Like I struggled to not take a nap for a while until I cut out caffeine a few years ago. I went from like half decaf to decaf. And now I drink matcha, which has a little caffeine. But um, it's it looks like a green juice, which I'm always like, I feel bad being like intuitive eating and then drinking this weird green juice. But it literally um matcha has changed my life in the morning so i do that i eat breakfast i fuel myself so that i don't overeat later on at night um those are my non-negotiable trying to sit down and eat with harper is so hard to make dinner with her and i like that that is a whole it is a whole oh my
1: god artwork. it's a whole mess we haven't we haven't figured it out like we normally feed my feed. son get him to bed because i also need yeah. which i'm sure you even talk about in your program like I need, like, calm and yeah. zen when I'm eating. Eating. Because I find anytime time I eat with my son, I don't even remember the experience because I was really just, like, managing him. Like, oh, stop throwing that down. Okay, what do you want? Like, it's yeah. just not as enjoyable. I'm like, I'd rather eat closer to 8 p.m., even though I don't like to do that, than anything else.
0: <laughs> we eat together. I think we've gotten, like, Sundays and Mondays good because we, like, have food ready. And then other than that, it's a. Yeah, it's an 8 p.m. dinner. But I don't know. Yeah, nothing that I feel like if I feel like I tell myself hit 10K steps or hit whatever, yeah, 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 like it gets obsessive. So for me, it's just like little habits. Um, Even as an entrepreneur now with a team of 10, it's like um, just like the little habits every day. Like I have my journal that it's like every day I have like specific, three specific needle movers I need to focus on and get those done as soon as possible. And I even hate writing them out. I'm like, they're in my brain. I always say, follow the two minute rule, like get it done. Um, and then it can free up so much more space for like other creativity, do other things. Yeah, no, totally. I hear you.
1: Um, Well, Dana, this has been so valuable. I know for so many people listening and for people that may not have thought they had in, you know, maybe not the best relationship with food or Like I said, I think we all have disordered eating. Like, how can we not in our society? And like what, you know, with how social media is right now. And I mean, there's so many issues. But we love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q&A for our listeners to get to know you better. So first thing that pops to mind, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? I
0: love therapy right now.
1: Oh yeah, Doesn't that count me too. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, what? Okay, we already covered this: coffee or tea. Yeah,
0: I'm really into matcha. And how do you like? How do you take your matcha? How do you make your matcha? I actually like it iced. I do do oat milk in it, and I just eat with it. I know people are like, "Oh, it causes you know oat milk is like raises your blood sugars." Like I, don't, I just I eat with it. I. Love it. I actually have so many tutorials because I do it. I kind of share every morning my little matcha pour on my Instagram story. So definitely check out my recipe there. Well, and I love that you send you eat with it, too. That makes a big difference. Yeah. Um,
1: okay. My favorite question, and I'm sure you will love it, too. But what is your favorite home-cooked meal? And it doesn't have to be something you make. It could be like a childhood memory, but just favorite
0: home-cooked meal that gives you that, like, big hug. Yeah. Mm. There's so many. Both my parents are really, really, really good cooks. Um, my dad makes a cedar plank salmon, which is really good. If You never, you can find them in the grocery stores. A, a plank of cedar, and it's so so smoky and good. And then my dad makes homemade pesto too. So like pe- just pesto on white noodles with that salmon. Oh, my mom makes a my mom makes an amazing like chicken and eggplant parm situation. So that would be my favorite. So all of those just remind me of my family a lot. I was going
1: to say, I love that. It's like, right, it's, it's, and that's a big part of food too. Like the memories, yeah. the memories not only that you have in the past with food, but the memories that you're creating as well and creating for your legacies too. I know. Um. Well, Deanna, where can people find you, learn more, connect with you, find you on
0: social media? Give us all the places. DM me on Instagram. I hang out there the most at dietitian with two t's no c's dietitian deanna um and i'm on tiktok dietitian deanna as well having fun there and then i also have my own podcast um an amazing community there we're on our way to a million downloads this year so deets with deanna kind of a plan. words with eats Uh, and we talk about i interview a lot of dietitians a lot of wellness and overcoming diet culture as well as how to like own a business as a female. So that's been a really empowering part of my journey of like I've overcome food and like what's next for me. And this is kind of what's next is like owning a successful online business, which has been really amazing. So if you're in my community already, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You give me purpose every single day. So definitely say hi. I love it. Well, thank
1: you so much. And then hopefully we'll be connecting again soon. I know, Kate, it was so much
0: fun. I'm so honored. This week's actionable step is to take note of your own
1: thoughts around food. Could you incorporate some of the strategies Deanna and I discussed to improve your relationship with food? Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Wells, hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Stephen. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.